I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which this recording takes place, the Wadundi and Bububun people of Wudichup in the southwest Bujara region in Nungabuja, also known as Margaret River. I acknowledge their continuing connection to the land, waters and community. I pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hey there, welcome back to the Men's Sex and Pleasure podcast. I'm your host, Cam Fraser. This is episode number 110. We're talking all things masculinity, sexuality, male bodies, and men's experiences of pleasure. And today, I have the pleasure of chatting with Lauren Violet. Lauren is a sex and relationship coach with a background in psychology, sex education, as well as in the adult entertainment, modeling, and fitness industries. In addition to coaching and talk therapy, she also uses somatic practices and bodywork, emotional regulation, relational agreements, and self-pleasure facilitation with her clients. Lauren is passionate about solo sex, group sex, tantra, BDSM, kink, and all things taboo. She believes in the freedom of sexual expression and exploration of desires and enjoys providing a space for others to explore their own freedom and expression. And you can find Lauren on Instagram at Lauren Violet Coaching. And I suggest going through that page to the link Uh, and the link tree that's available there to find the rest of her content. And in this particular episode, Lauren and I dive deep into the practicalities of introducing a third person to your partnered sex life, right? What to do in terms of the conversations you need to have with your partner, maybe what to try before thinking about introducing another person, where to find that other person, uh, what to say to them, how to approach them, all the way down to what to do when you're with that third person in the bedroom and uh, the positions to be in and the uh, <laughs> all the other practicalities that come with uh, three people being in the, the same sexual space. Uh, and then we also talk about extending that and those principles and some other principles to be mindful of when you, uh, when or if you decide to experiment with group sex as well and um, what maybe you should to expect and um, some other things to remember when you're in a group sex scenario. So if all of that sounds really intriguing and interesting to you, I know it was for me. Uh, I say this to Lauren on the podcast, uh, but it's not something I have a lot of experience with. So it was fascinating to get her perspective and to, to learn essentially. So uh, I had a really great time talking to Lauren and I hope you have a really great time listening. Sex is between two consenting people of age and that's where it's supposed to stay, right there. You're not supposed to go out and talk about it. You don't need your husband no more. You don't need your wife no more. Come on, you get mad, you get angry. You defraud him and go and get your sexual toys and play with yourself. Just think, if you're 18 or older, girls are waiting 24 hours a day to talk to guys, guys like you. The first, uh, the first question, the first cap off the rank, uh, the way that I like to start the podcast, Lauren, is with an invitation, actually. And I'd love to invite you to share a little bit about who you are what it is that you do and what you're passionate about. So that's my open invitation for you to share. Yay. Thank you. Thank you so much, Cam. And thank you for having me on to chat. Uh, So my name is Lauren Violet. 
I am a sex and relationship coach. I am also a sex educator, an adult entertainer. And basically what I do is combine all my areas of expertise into one sort of uh, delivery for my clients and the people I work with. And I do this in various ways. So for example, um, I am on OnlyFans and I do create sort of educational porn or, you know, it's, it's porn because it's, it's explicit. I create explicit educational content where it'll start with me talking through or explaining something about sex and relationships and then moving into almost like not even a demonstration. It's more of a transmission of what I've just spoken about. And then we finish wrapping it up with the same thing, talking and feedback and checking. And I love doing that. And I do that with clients too. Um, I do do like one-on-one talk therapy with individuals and couples, but I do like to include somatic practices. Um, I was trained uh, as a sex and relationship coach and self-pleasure facilitator. And I do, I'm very passionate about things, not just being talked about and known in the head, but known and felt and experienced in the body. And that's why I combine, you know, the adult entertainment and sex work with the coaching and sex therapy and talk therapy. That's why I'm so passionate about combining the two um, and just changing, changing the world and the way that sexuality is perceived and talked about, um, the way that relationships are talked about. I'm studying psychology at university and, you know, the end game for me is to get my doctorate and actually do research into the correlation between sexual education and dysfunction, abuse and violation within relationships. And I so strongly believe that when we can improve that education system, we're going to see a decrease in um, dysfunction, violation, abuse. And that is what I'm so, so, so passionate about. Um, I do have four kids, as I was saying to you before, and they're kind of like my little guinea pigs, (laughs) the poor things. (laughs) But yeah, that's, that's me. That's what I do. That's my passion. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on here. No, no worries. Thank you so much for sharing that and for being for being um, yeah so enthusiastic about about this work as well. I I love the intersection between talk therapy and body work as well. I love the overlap and that gray area and the the nuance and and all the nitty gritty that kind of comes with that. And I think we've done a um, I don't know. I think we've done a disservice by like separating those two. Like historically, we've kind of separated talk therapy over here and body work over here. And those two modalities don't really talk to one another very much. And I, I think there's just so much value in that overlap. So I'm, I'm a big um, proponent of that as well. And, and, and one of the reasons why I really resonate with, with you and your work. I'm actually really curious about like some of the... Um, like you, like, because I'm I'm a big, uh, also a big advocate for like educational porn, right? And I think there's like such a, uh, such a necessity to have like... explicit educational content. I think it's like really, really valuable. And so I'm curious about what are some of the things that you have like created? What's some of the content you've created? What, like, is it a, like, are you talking about like specific positions? Is it like specific techniques? Like what are some of the things that you've like created in terms of that explicit erotic content? Awesome. I just got so excited that I knocked my phone over. (laughs) Um, yeah. Um, so I'm passionate about, and some of the explicit content that I am just most like, oh my gosh, it lights me up inside. Like it's like a soul orgasm. It turns my soul on is anything that is kind of taboo. So I love kink, BDSM, um, taboo themes. I have also done, um, some content around Tantra and like, um, 
tantric self-pleasure or tantric connection rituals and stuff. I really love that stuff. But, you know, some of the content will be I've done like almost like tutorials and and like how to start exploring wax play safely, um, how to explore BDSM safely as well as education about like more education about like what BDSM is. You know, it's not just impact play and hitting your partner, um, but more in-depth education on what BDSM is and what it's about. And, and it's, it's about all these different relationship dynamics and all the different ways it can look. Like I've used um, food play as BDSM because I was in a comp prep and I was restrained with the food that I could eat and I had to be super disciplined. So by putting that food on my body and not being allowed to put any of it in my mouth, it was actually BDSM. So I love creating content like that. That's like um, <sighs> opening people's eyes or minds or giving them some information so that they're like, if they want to go and explore some certain type of kink, whether it's wax, whether it's uh, food play, um, you know, there's something available for them to watch. I recently did one with um, my friend Rob and we did like how to explore a threesome for the first time with your partner. So it was a very specific, it's not like just threesomes, educational threesomes, but it's like you're in a relationship with a partner and it was very specific how to explore a threesome with your partner for the first time and with a female extra. We were very specific about that and it was awesome. And we got actually really good feedback on it too. People loved it. Yeah, incredible. And I think that's so like, because uh, like, you can read an article, you know what I mean? Like I, I could write something or I could read something and be like, oh, I, I this is the things that I do. Like wax play, for example, right? Like I'm going to read an article or read a, a little blog about like how to do wax play, you know, correctly or starting wax play for the first time. But that like doesn't have the same visceral or like embodied kind of like experience to go, uh, as opposed to like watching someone go, hey, here's like, here's how the wax drips, like, and actually watching that and seeing that, like, here's certain parts of the body, like, notice this person's reaction when I drop the wax on them, like, how does that look, right? You, you can't convey that in a written post, you know what I mean? Like, that's, it's just impossible to do. So, and so, and that's why I get like really hung up on like people who are like really anti porn and anti explicit content is like, you know, because like, how can it be educational? It's like, well, fucking, tr you try reading a wax play blurb and then trying to do it after that, as opposed to like watching a video. Like, there's just so much more nuance that can be conveyed in a video, I suppose, or in something that's like created specifically um, in that visual medium. Absolutely, and I mean, that's how I learned it all was not by reading about it, but by actually doing it. So, and especially in these current times, with you know. Uh, COVID and everyone being on different sides of the world. This is where um, platforms like OnlyFans make that um, accessible still because we might not be able to all get together and do a BDSM course, like workshops together, but we can access a video online and watch that. Um, and it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I really, really appreciate that. Um, so one of the reasons why I wanted to speak to you was uh, specifically for what you've just mentioned before, which is the... Um, tutorial the how-to with regards to like introducing a third part a third third party into a into a relationship right for a threesome and then maybe expanding on on that idea to maybe group sex in general and ways to navigate that and just some really practical things that we can do so maybe we can start with 
heterosexual couple introducing a uh, a woman maybe into the into the uh, as the third party. Where, where do we start with that? Because I know that's something that a lot of people have a fantasy about, and maybe it's still stigmatized and quite taboo for them. Um, and so maybe we can maybe unpack that and deconstruct it a little bit and, and explore it a bit more. If that's okay with yeah, you, yeah, perfect. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, um, so the I will definitely start with like the couple and like how to explore a threesome for the first time. And I just will start by saying, while I did do a tutorial that was specifically for women, for like a heterosexual couple introducing a woman, um, we did that very specifically because that's, I suppose, the, the, the content creators we were working with were that sort of dynamic. But I would definitely say that the advice I'm about to give will apply to any couple where it's two people who are looking to explore with a third party. Um, but typically I say, you know, the very first thing that couples are going to do is they are going to talk about it and they're going to talk about it a lot. Like even before, even like looking for a third party, they're going to talk and talk and talk and talk. And they're going to talk about, you know, why, why do they want to explore a threesome? And that's really, really important. It's really important to be so clear on your why. Um, and one of my biggest tips is, you know, if it's because you guys are bored, if it's because you're looking for it to help or fix the relationship in any way, no, 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 go and work on that in other ways. Um, and typically one of the reasons that couples do want to is because they want to explore. And that's usually like any sort of exploration equals growth. Um, cause they might even explore a threesome one time and decide, oh, we don't like that, but they've grown there. They've learned that they don't like it. Yeah. So typically exploration and growth and development um, for themselves as individuals, as well as a partnership, that's typically the best reason. And it, uh, it's usually underneath all the other reasons that they give. It's like, that's why, you know, they might be like, oh, we want to have fun. Um, and it's like, well, when you explore what's, what's underneath, we want to have fun. It's actually, well, we, we do, we want to explore more. We want to learn more. We want to grow, learn more about what fun will feel like to us and grow through that. So definitely. My first tip is talk, talk, talk about it and identify your why. Um, and from there, once they've identified their why and, and it's a good solid why and it's, it's being done for effective reasons and not ineffective reasons, like trying to save a relationship. Um, once the why has been identified, the next step is to start identifying like wants, needs, desires, as well as boundaries, as well as fears. Um, and to start having conversations that set up, um, almost like a container, a relational container for what they want that interaction to look like. And the reason I say that this, this is going to be talked about a lot is because it's, it's going to involve multiple conversations over a period of time. You may sit down and have a conversation together one day and then you'll go away and you'll, you'll be processing everything that was said and you'll be feeling into everything and thinking. And then you come back together in a couple of days or a couple of weeks and you, you talk about it more and you go, oh, actually, you know, I love how you told me you have this fear about us exploring a threesome. And I actually, I really resonate with that. You know, I have that too. And, and here's what I think we could do to, you know, here's how we could check in with each other during it to make sure that we are taking care of this fear. Um, and it does, it involves like lots of those conversations where, they start establishing their boundaries or their requests. So, you know, requests, desires, asking for what we want are all very, very important in any relationship. And if we're looking at adding a third party to that, whether it's 
just for fun, just for one night, or whether it's frequently, then those that those requests and those desires and that communication is super, super important there too. Um, and they get to start exploring, yeah, like the fears, expressing your fears is, is very, very important. Like it's, it's like saying, baby, I really want us to explore a threesome. You know, I want to have some fun with you. I want to grow. I want us to play. And I'm also scared. There's a part of me that's scared that you're going to like her more than me. Like just being able to say that and express that. And then your partner's like, oh, hey, like I hear that. I, I hear that that's a fear for you. And they can either suggest some things or they can ask, like, what things can we do? What things can I do for you to help reassure you with this fear? Um, I love that. I love that sort of communication. It's actually like I'm getting all like excited just talking about it. Yeah, um, I, I love to I love to um, add something in here, which is that like uh, something that I've I've worked with um, some clients around is like kind of identifying what it is that they're kind of looking for with regards to like introducing a third person because similar to what you were saying about with regards to why and then kind of deepening that conversation is like what is it about the threesome for example that turns you on right is it the is it the attention that you're getting from multiple people is it the inclusion of extra body parts that you're interested in like is it is it the dynamic of having the like are you looking for power play are you wanting to have power over multiple people or are you wanting multiple people to have power of you like what kind of is it underneath the surface? Yeah, that's hot, right? Like that that's often a question that I get from, an answer, sorry, that I get from men is like, oh yeah, it's its hot. And it's like, okay, cool. Why? Why is it hot? What is it What is it that turns you on about it? And that is usually really helpful for, well, it's conducive for those conversations, right? It's like, I, I really want this because I, I really want the attention on me. I, I really feel like, you know, some extra attention is like, what is that that turns me on? Or I want to feel like I'm ravaged by more than one person or whatever it might be. Um, I think that's a really... Um, that's just something that I've used in, in my clients as well. And that, that came from um, another podcast that I did actually with a guy called Justin LaMilla, who talks a lot about um, sex and psychology. And um, he talks about uh, his book, Tell Me What You Want, which is all about like desires. And his group sex is like very, very common desire. And I think that's really important to acknowledge as well, right? Is It's it's very common. I'm wondering, do you, do you think it's like, if we're talking heterosexual couples exclusively, do you think it's more common for them to desire introducing a, woman or more common for them to desire introducing a man as part of the the third party this is a good question and i have my thoughts on it and people are absolutely welcome to disagree definitely i have observed um in my own personal interactions as well as from clients and through my work and studies um definitely it's much more common for a heterosexual couple to want to invite a woman in and I don't like that because <laughs> I'm like, I want, <laughs> I want everything to be equal. Um, it does happen though, like, but it is more common. And actually one of the tips that Rob and I did for our threesome was if you are open, if you, if you, it was specifically for heterosexual and an extra female, one of his tips, which I loved was if you um, are wanting your partner to explore an extra female, please be open to exploring an extra male. And I know for me, in my personal life, I've always liked both. Um, and I've definitely had an experience one time where a, uh, a partner at the time was only open to females and was not open to a male. And I was like, well, this actually isn't going to work for me. Um, that being said, 
like I said, it is actually more common to see people seeking an extra female and some people are comfortable with that. I have many female clients who in relationships, they're quite happy to just explore with females, just have an extra female. Um, and that's all their partner wants. And they're quite happy to do that. And it's very successful for them. So it's, while it might be more common and I feel like there also might be some societal, uh, narratives there while it's more common it's also about like well what works for each relationship you know like some are okay with it something like for me i knew that i wasn't and i was like well this isn't gonna work this isn't working for me because i do want both um whereas i have heaps of clients where it's like yeah it works for us just a female spine that's my thoughts on it like i mean what are your thoughts on it do you feel like there is definitely a bit of an because I, I do i feel like there's a bit of a narrative in society that like extra female is hot um yeah, I 100% agree with you. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I think it's definitely considered, quote unquote, more acceptable in society. Um, and I also think part of it comes down to like the man and that heterosexual relationships insecurities around like introducing another man, right? There's a lot of internalized homophobia. So what would it mean if there's another man in that sexual space, right? To share a sexual in environment or sexual container with another man. What does that mean about me, right? It starts to starts to kind of scratch at the surface of his own sexuality maybe he hasn't done a lot of questioning about that um there's also like uh, this is this is a very online thing that i've noticed but like there's a lot of shaming of like cuckoldry and um like hot wifing and things like that and like this idea of like you're less of a man if your female partner has sex with another man like it's somehow taking something away from you as a man and like um, that's shamed a lot online. It's just in the slang, like it's just thrown out there. So I definitely think there's like some insecurities and some fear around that for men. Um, and I've worked with men that have wanted to introduce other men into their relationships and, and, and have like a, um, what is it, MMF uh, scenario. Um, and um, and yeah, and that's some of the things they've, they've described to me is like this, this fear of like, well, what if my partner, you know, what if he's bigger than me? Or what if he can fuck longer than me? Or whatever it is, like there's a lot of, and that, that comes down to like, just general self-worth stuff, right? With regards to like their sexuality and their, and their masculinity. So I, I definitely think that's playing into the reason why we can kind of probably say with some assurance that it's more common or almost quote unquote societally acceptable for, for a third person to be a woman. Um, but then that, that gets into the whole, and this is, this is I'm, I'm gonna fully caveat by saying, I have very limited experiences with threesomes and group sex. So this is all me based on what I've spoken to other people about. So um, I might get terminology and things wrong. Um, but there's the, the phenomenon of like the unicorn. Is that like the the woman who is, um, who I, I think, and the idea is like, it's a bisexual woman, right? Who's like interested in both. Yeah. Is that, am I using that terminology correctly? Is that, a, is that the thing? Pretty much. It's like a, the unicorn is the bisexual extra. Um I would definitely say with all this whole narrative and stereotype stuff, yeah, it's typically a woman, but you know, it could definitely be a man too, but the unicorn is just that bisexual extra who pops up like a magical being and is interested in playing with both of you. And, you know, everyone gets to ride the unicorn and have, have some fun and it's a beautiful, magical thing. Yeah. Mm, mm. But it, it, it's, but it's not necessarily framed as a, as a positive thing, right? Like it's kind of like unicorns kind of used and discarded. Is that kind of fair to say there's sometimes that dynamic? Some, sometimes that comes up. Yes. And you're speaking to someone who, I mean, I've worked with couples for years. Um, 
And then in my personal life, I've dated couples too. And I actually, when I first started getting into this industry, used to joke around and say like, oh, I could, I'm, I'm a professional unicorn. And I've always loved it. However, I've definitely at times, more so in my personal life, in my personal life, I've felt that used and discarded thing or you know like i've literally used the word the extra a few times now because it's kind of what you feel like um professionally for me it's much cleaner because they're actually coming to me and hiring me for what they want so like a couple might come to me and be like lauren can we um you know we really want to explore sploshing and we would love for you to you would love to hire you to like guide us through that and they get to request whether they want me to interact or not and then i get to decide whether i want to or not and that's what I mean by like professional unicorn. I'm getting hired for that. And it's much cleaner because um, you don't feel used and discarded because you've been hired for a service. But definitely in my personal life, I can say, yeah, there's, it does come up. It might not for all people, but I know that for me it does. And I know that for others it has. Mm, I, I, the, there's something similar here that I've spoken to a few um, a few black men about, and it's the 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 role of the... I think the terminology is the bull, like the 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 it's like a white heterosexual couple, and then the the kind of the black third party comes in, um, and he's kind of you know considered the and again I think the terminology is the bull. That's what I remember kind of um, being told. But again, those men that they were talking to me about like them playing that role, these black men were saying like, yeah, they kind of feel like they're just they're just like a high, like a hired cock essentially they just come in like there's no there's no kind of relationship is they can like they're just discarded and they're just treated as and then and then there's like the intersectionality of race and things in there which is quite interesting but um but yeah it's, so i wanted to like just bring that in there because uh, i think that adds like some really important nuance to like you know people that are interested in in finding a, a third person to to be sexual with them as a couple was like they're a human being they're not like someone who you just like use as your fun little toy i suppose toy, and then, yeah. yeah yeah and then just kind of yeah. throw away to the side so yeah thank you for, for for helping me navigate that space because i like i said this is not something i'm super familiar with so i was just floundering a little bit but i appreciate you uh you you guiding me through that no absolutely um i actually it's a funny story really recently was um relating with this beautiful couple and something came out when we were in bed and after an intimate moment and I, my feelings of feeling like an extra or like a used toy, I suppose they came up because um, someone said something about like, oh, the sex machine is starting up again. And I was like, I'm not a sex machine. <laughs> and it was funny because she didn't mean that the way that I took it. But then you can see all the layers underneath it of how like, yeah, a unicorn or a bull especially as you were talking about the bull literally in my head, I was like, oh yeah, they feel like literally like they just a cock. They're just a dick. They're just basically a real live action dildo. They're a toy. Um, and yeah, definitely. I love that you spoke into that. Um, really, really feel like that is a really important message for couples who are wanting to interact with a third and invite a third in as yeah, like don't dehumanize them. They have wants and needs too, the same way that you spend all that time communicating to your partner about your wants, needs, and desires. When you do eventually explore that with a third, you're going to listen to theirs too, and you're going to ask for theirs, and you're going to share yours with them too. Um, and that's really beautiful. That's definitely a big, big tip. 
Yeah, and I think that leads nicely into like my my kind of next question in in this kind of chronological uh, kind of analysis of like how to how to start a you know a, a threesome is like where do you find this particular person who might be interested in having sex with you a couple? How do you even approach that conversation? Where how do you initiate that? Yeah, I love that because I get asked that a lot because so many people. Um, tell me that their main reason is they're like, well, I don't know where to find someone. Um, Just quietly before I get people, before I encourage couples to actually find someone, I do encourage them to explore first, especially remembering if it's their first time exploring a threesome, I do encourage them to explore that without going full on sex, like a full on sex threesome. I do encourage them. There's a couple of ways that they can explore that first and I will get to that. But I do say like, first of all, role play so when it's just the two of you at home role play that one of you is a stranger yeah and that's act great out idea. the whole yeah i love it right and and couples have loved it and it's really cool i've done it and you role play the whole thing as though one of you is a stranger but one of you is still you and at the end of it you get to check in with each other as well as with yourselves and be like well how did i feel when it was like you touching a stranger and calling out their name and saying how much you liked them touching you and how much you liked, um, you know, their mouth on your cock. And how did I feel? Like, what did that bring up in me? And then you get to share that with each other, reflect, create more boundaries and desires, and then switch at another time so that the other person is then a stranger. So that's one of the ways I get them to explore that before actually going to the next step of having sex with a third person. And then, um, Another step further than that is like to interact with someone sexually, probably in a little bit of a professional way, but without it being full sex. And I just say like, try get an erotic massage together or try going to the strip club. How do you guys feel when there's a stripper on your partner's lap touching them? Um, How do you feel watching them get turned on by someone else um, being sexual with them? Um, Don't try to pick up the stripper, please. That's That's not their job. They're there to strip. They're not escorts. So please be respectful of that. Like, once again, it's like not treating them a uh, third person like a, like a thing. Be respectful of that. Same with the massage therapist. If you go erotic massage, like be mindful and respectful that that's their job and they're not a thing and you don't try to, uh, you know, treat them like an escort or anything. But I definitely say, I just wanted to like throw those in there because it's really important to me. Those can be really great baby steps before a couple just jumps in and dives into having sex with a third. And then, if you do all of them and you guys are like, yep, yep, we're good. Like we're loving it. It's challenging and we're going through the challenges together, but we're also enjoying it. And you just want to start looking for a third. How do you do it? My biggest, biggest, biggest thing is literally just ask. Like just talk to people and ask. If you guys have a friend that you think is so hot and you guys have like been fantasizing about having this third person, like just ask. It's just a conversation. And the reason most people don't do that is that fear of rejection, the fear of judgment. You know, what if our friend says no and then they don't like us anymore and then they feel weird around us? But that's where open communication actually gets to take all of that away. Even if their friend feels uncomfortable for a bit because they're like, oh, are you hitting on me? Like, you get to talk about that. Open and effective communication really takes care of all of that. It's okay to feel uncomfortable. That's okay. It's okay to feel rejected. That's okay. You get to allow that process it, talk through it, communicate with each other as well as whoever you've asked. And then that being said, there are definitely places you can go 
where you will find people who are very, very, very open to all of that. Um, you know, there's apps out there like Set Life and Red Hot Pie. And then there are clubs and parties that you can go to. You know, you can go to Tantric Temple Nights. You can go to sex parties, kink parties, EDSM parties. Swingers parties are very popular. Um, and all of these places have clubs too. Like there's, there's kink clubs you can go to. You can literally Google like the closest kink club in your area. You can Google the closest swingers club. Um, yeah, that would be my, that's, that's like my first advice is just ask. And then my second is like, go and look for places like all those ones I've mentioned and go on those apps um, and have a look around. Hey there, thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I hope you're enjoying this episode. I just wanted to chime in here with a plug for my online men's course. It's called Outperform a Porn Star. It goes for six weeks and it's all about experiencing multiple orgasms, overcoming any uh, sexual dysfunctions, reframing your whole performance mindset around sex to be more pleasure-oriented, We talk about communicating with your partner, being a sexual leader, and all of this amazing stuff. So if you're interested in learning how to outperform a porn star, head to my website, www.cam-fraser.com. Let's get back to this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. And, And those are some incredible ideas of like the baby steps. I hadn't even thought about those and and i'm definitely going to be taking those back with me and and using them with clients because they're fantastic ideas and um good, yeah i really yeah. resonate with them and i guess like if we're just going to continue down this like chronological order of things like w- what about um okay so you've 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 uh you found someone you kind of done the steps you've done the talking you found someone and it's kind of like it's it's happening right and you're you're like it's it's gonna you know they're, they're coming over you're you're setting up the space like how 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 are we navigating the kind of initiation of the the threesome are we you know you get some drinks are we relaxing we go into the bedroom like what, what what do you suggest i suggest first of all with your third party i suggest a conversation the same way that you guys started all of this with a conversation between the two of you you're going to then have that conversation with your third party and you guys are going to set up what I call relational agreements. Those relational agreements are essentially the container for that relationship, whether it's just for one night or not. It's still, you're still, the three of you are relating together. So we're going to set up that container and that's going to involve, you know, um, boundaries, desires, definitely a talk about sexual health. Definitely. Um, it's going to involve aftercare. Like, you know, you're, you guys might want to just cuddle with each, cuddle with each other after, but your third person might be like, actually, can you guys like not just kick me out straight away? Can you actually, yeah, can I hang out for an hour? Can we, can we all cuddle together? You know, can you stroke my hair a little bit? And you guys can do that because, but taking care of that, but like taking that aftercare into consideration, not just for you two, but for them is like, it's part of that relational agreement. Um, so that would be where I'd say, yeah, like you found your third party. First thing is have that conversation and everybody gets to discuss and make their requests. And that's where your third party as well gets to say like, well, this is my fear. These are my boundaries. This is a no for me tonight. Um, this is what I need. And this is the desires I have with you two, because you guys already know that, but your third party doesn't, and you don't know what those are. So yeah, it's definitely going to start with a conversation and 
after that conversation, you guys will know whether like, are you going to have some drinks and then, you know, sort of move slowly into the wedding together? Or are you going to start with a massage? You know, are you going to start massaging each other? Are you going to put some music on and dance together? Like that conversation is literally going to lead you to how you guys want to start it and how you guys will feel comfortable and relaxed. Um, and then from there, yeah, keep that communication open throughout the interaction. If at any point in the interaction you are feeling uncomfortable or or triggered or upset, it's your in it's it's your responsibility to communicate that to your two lovers. Um, they're not mind readers, they don't know. It's on you to communicate that and to then ask for what you want and need. It's okay, mid threesome to be like, pause, I'm really struggling right now and Maybe you need to communicate some feelings and then just be held. And then maybe that's it for the night. It's okay for the threesome to not, like, this is where I get clients to, like, let go of an end goal or an outcome. It's like, yeah, the only outcome here is for you guys to interact and relate effectively. Like, that is the outcome that you're looking for, whether that is, you know, with a threesome that lasts for hours and everybody comes multiple times on, or whether it's, a kind of awkward bumpy threesome when nobody comes and at the end you're sort of all like sitting around like oh wow i just learned a lot tonight that's still as long as you guys are relating effectively that's still a success there's no outcome so if you do need to pause it halfway through because you have feelings you need to talk about and it doesn't end up resuming that's fine or maybe you talk about the feelings and then you keep going so yeah that communication that you've that conversation that starts at the beginning gets to continue through your effective communication throughout the whole process. Yeah, really Does appreciate it. Does that answer your question enough? Yeah, def- that definitely uh, that answers part of my question. I, I have follow-up questions, of course, um, but my um, the thing that I wanted to, to emphasize here is like that should just be normalized. That idea of just being like, okay, pause. I got to talk about something. I got to deal with this. Like should just be normalized regardless of how many people you're having sex with, right? Even if it's just like one person, your regular partner, you should feel comfortable enough to be like, hey, can we just pop the brakes here. Something's just come up for me. I'm feeling, I'm noticing this. Like, can we just, you know, do this instead? Or I just need to, to take even, a, a moment. Yeah. That That's even true with solo sex, right? Like you can be having sex with yourself, pleasuring yourself and some emotions come up because that happens, right? And you get to pause and communicate with yourself and check in with yourself and take care of yourself. Like it should just be commonplace. You're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, I that's wanted to why just we really, teach people what we do. Yeah, emphasize yeah. that. Um, my, I guess my my alluded to a follow up question here is like, this is just my, um, I've experienced this, and I, I have had several clients have experienced this, and we've kind of spoken about it together. But I'd be very interested to get your perspective on this. Is um, like making sure that that all people have like your attention, right? And making sure that no one's feeling excluded, no one's feeling left out and making sure that you're able to be present with more than one person because being present with one person is still difficult enough, let alone being present with multiple people. And so I'm wondering what are your tips and strategies and and um, just suggestions for being able to kind of maintain presence with more than one person in a, in a sexual setting? Yeah. yeah. Um, I have an answer that's sort of a combination. Like, first of all, your ability... Your, your responsibility is your ability to be present with who you're with. And then what's not your responsibility is to know if someone's feeling left out. Like you don't have to spend the whole time worrying like about not leaving other people out. Instead, spend the whole time focusing on am I being present? Like that's your responsibility is your presence. Someone else feeling left out, 
And if, if it's you, like if you are watching this and you are the person feeling like that, it's on you to communicate that. Communicate that you're feeling left out and communicate what you want and need. Be like, hey, I'm feeling left out. Can I have some presents, please? Um, and then for the person, yeah, for you as an individual, how to work on being present. For me, like for me, everything comes back to you and your relationship with yourself. And that's where like solo sex and self-pleasure comes into it. Your ability to be present with yourself during your own everyday moments during your own emotional um, emotional currents that are flowing through you at any given moment, being able to be present with yourself during solo sex, like that's where your ability to be present starts. And then you practice that with your partner. And it's how can I be present with my partner, um, be in the here and the now with them and share my here and now with them and, and, have them share their here and now with me. And from there, it's, it's yeah, being present with more than one person will be much easier because you're so much more practiced with it. You cannot be present with more than one person if you can't be present with yourself. You can't be present with one person if you can't be present with yourself. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, totally. It, it kind of reminds me like I've, I've done workshops, right, where it's very intimate, it's very vulnerable and like, holding space for like that workshop has been like, it was, it was a learning skill for me. I, I fucked up multiple times when I was first running workshops. I was like, fuck, that didn't feel safe. Like I, I definitely know that I could have done better there. And so like, as I've learned the skill to hold space, that part of that journey was like, okay, how am I feeling in this moment? Do I, can I, and can I recognize that as well? Uh, oftentimes I share with clients, like if you notice something come up for you, like when you're being present in like a sexual encounter, like, like question that and be like, oh, is that resistance mine or am I picking up on someone else's resistance in this space? And can I just kind of like, can I verbalize that, acknowledge it and be like, hey, I'm just, you know, noticing this kind of tension here. You know, is, is everyone okay? Just like do a check-in or if it's like, you know, you can do it internally as well. It's like, is that your resistance? Is that your tension coming up? And and is there something that you need to do personally? And so- um, Which is also a check-in. That's a yeah, self-check-in. Yeah, self-check-in. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I resonate with that and I appreciate you speaking into it. And you're right, it, it begins with with solo play, right? It begins with like how present can you be with your your own feelings, not only emotionally but also physically as well. Like do you feel your own pleasure? Do you feel your own arousal? Do you feel your own tension and your own boundaries? Like do you actually embody that? Um, and that's, that's just a good value. Are you present in your body? Yeah, that's, that's valuable just yeah. in general. Um, uh, here's like this is a maybe a lighter question um, and maybe a quote-unquote more fun question is um, what about in terms of um, like just I'm just going to point blank here like positions like how do you navigate an extra body like what are some suggestions in terms of like where do things go and what you know what orifices and what are we doing like in terms of positions yay we're doing everything um, <laughs> all of it um, I love that one because that is definitely one that uh, like the how do I find somebody people get in their heads about and they they get caught up in it. And once again, it comes back to like, let go of it looking in a certain way, let go of an outcome, let go of it looking like a porno. It does not have to look perfect. You guys are going to bump heads. You're going to like somebody's going to fall off the bed because you're not used to having an extra person on the bed. Um somebody's teeth are going to end up on someone else's genitals accidentally. Like I can't tell you how many times, like I've been going down 
on a woman and somebody's fucking me behind and I'm just like my jaw is just like jamming into her and I'm like fuck I'm so sorry and you you do you just pop up a bit like and you're like okay we're just gonna pause we're just gonna pause the oral while this is going on and then when that eases up a bit we're gonna go back to that like just flow with it and it's okay for it to be clunky it's okay for it to be awkward at times because when you get through the awkward the clunky and you explore all the fun positions and um who can go where then you have practice you have experience and more practice more experience it's actually going to end up flowing more but even even after years and years and years of exploring group sex there's still going to be moments where yeah it's it's funny or it's clunky or like silly shit's gonna happen and that's okay that's like any relationship even with two people right like with two people this is where the conversation probably is more about like normalizing um sex looking so many different ways normalize sex looking so many different ways and not always looking picture perfect and pretty like normalize it being messy or silly or funny or playful or you know at times maybe normalize the fact that injuries happen yeah i love that idea of like not taking it so seriously you know like not not worrying that it's doesn't look what you thought it would look like or um you know having like having like having a laugh like something that i really value in my relationship with my partner is like we always laugh during sex like regardless of whether the sex is intense or really subtle like at some point there's laughter and the and the reason why is because we're just like well fuck it, that that was strange or weird or awkward or that was just like um you know whatever it was but there's always like an element of playfulness and i think that's really important regardless of how many people are in the sexual experience i think that's just like a really important element I love that you brought that up. It's actually one of my, like, in a relationship, it's one of my highest values is like that playfulness. Um, and when it comes to sex, I literally tell my clients this and I literally see it this way where sex kind of reminds me of the way children play when they're little. Like, and it's just like the adult version of it where we're playing with our bodies and we might be playing with roles or imagination or, you know, and we're just, we're adults playing and it's, Fun. And sometimes, yes, it might be hardcore and sweaty or it might be really serious or it might be like romantic, but that element of play is always there too. Yeah, that, that quick ability to laugh and have a laugh and be silly and have play and then keep on. And it's just so good at diffusing any tension or awkwardness as well like if you can both be like oh what the fuck just happened that was so strange then you like it just it takes away like any of the the potential um awkwardness from that situation at least i found anyway in my experience um oh, I, I totally agree some of the best sex sexual encounters i've had we've just been laughing nearly the whole time and it's it's funny and it's good there's a um, th there's like a, a, a continuation of this, I suppose, in terms of like the conversation we've been having, which is like, okay, we've talked about you know the logistics of one person, but what about if we start to expand that and we're thinking more like group scenarios or group sex or even like a sex party and things like that? Like what? And I, I presume, again, with very limited personal experience, I, I presume the principles you've been talking about for like introducing one person would extend like into group scenarios, but is there anything specific to be mindful of if you're like talking about group sex or group scenarios? Yeah, um, definitely the principle that I've talked about apply there. In group scenarios, for example, you may not be in a partnership. Um, and I'll share this like pretty openly. 
when it comes to like sex parties and group scenarios and like large group sex, I typically go as a solo individual or I might have lovers that I take with me, but we're open. Um, our other relationship is open. Um, and, you know, be mindful that that's another dynamic is, and this is where this, this applies to whether you're a solo or in a primary relationship or in a couple or, um, it's self-responsibility. So if I enter that, I, if I go along to the kink party and just meet for the night, I take full self-responsibility at all times. I'm responsible for checking someone's consent first. I'm responsible for my boundaries and saying my yeses and my noes. I'm responsible for asking for any aftercare I need. Um, I'm responsible to say, like, if, if before interacting with someone, they ask for aftercare and I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to, I, I, I can't provide that for you. I'm responsible for saying that. And then maybe not playing, maybe deciding not to interact with them. Um, and the same thing is if, if you're going into a large group scenario with a partner or with a lover, because I, I have taken lovers before, one of the things that comes up a lot is your concern for their experience. And this is where self-responsibility comes straight back into it. I'm responsible for me. I'm not responsible for their experience. However, I can check in with them. And I can ask, like, what are your boundaries? What are your fears? What are your desires? Um, and the same thing with like, if you're going in with a partner, <clears throat> you're not responsible for your partner's experience the same way you're not responsible for anyone else at the party, but of course you care about them. So something you can do is make sure you're checking in, make sure you're asking, what are your fears? What are your desires? Um, but then if you imagine a party, like imagine there's like 60 people and every single one of them is responsible for themselves and their requests and their boundaries and their yeses and their noes and their check-ins and everybody's being responsible for themselves can you imagine what a great time that is can you imagine how effectively everyone's going to flow and interact and no matter what comes up because everyone's taking responsibility for themselves they're therefore actually caring so much more for the people around them yeah but those are the main principles right like is check like know yourself know your wants and needs and be able to communicate and then just have some general respect for the people around you. Mm. But I do love the large group ones. They're something different. Uh, that's what I was going to say. I was like, I, I don't have really any experience with um, with large group experiences. But like, just from your own perspective, I suppose, what what is it that's that's um, that draws you in or that turns you on from like a large group experience? What is it that like people might be interested in in, in something like that? I can answer that. Obviously, there's lots of different things for lots of different people. For me, one of them is the energy that's created in that room. The energy is amazing. And, like you know, I've facilitated and hosted self-pleasure circles. And, you know, the energy that's created there when, you know, 40 people in a room are all self-pleasuring, even though they're each in their own solo space, but then all of that's mixing together. It's, it's like phenomenal. It's like, going to um, a live concert or a music festival where everyone is coming together and they're having this shared experience of almost an altered state of consciousness. And I love that. And that is something that I see and feel in these large group scenarios and at the parties. And um, I love it. I really appreciate, I really love that. There's a, for me, I suppose there's a, there's a celebration of sexual energy in that, a celebration of sexual freedom and expression. 
that I just, I love to see that. I love to feel that it lights me up. Um, and then another, you know, another huge aspect for some people is they love to watch. They might go along and they love to watch all these other people and they're the voyeurs and others go along to the group things and they love to be watched and they're the exhibitionists and, um, you know, some people it's the physical touch aspect of like, there are all these bodies. There's so much skin touching me and it's amazing and divine. Um, so everybody might have their different, different desires or different, um, things that turn them on and that excite them about those large group experiences. Definitely for me, the biggest one is that energy. Yeah, that, that really resonates with me. Like the the experiences that I've had, where there's been like I've been to a couple of self pleasure like circles, group self pleasure experiences, and and yeah, definitely that like heightened atmosphere of like sexual energy. You know, it's hard to describe, right? Because it is like a it's, it's an interesting like ex- like phenomenon like that you don't really get when it's just you or or another person or or a couple other people. It's so powerful. yeah, that's. Yeah, it's, you're 100 percent right. It is powerful. It, it, it and it's almost like palpable and tangible as well. You like notice it. Like it's 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 there in the room. So um, that really resonates with me. So I appreciate that. Yeah, I literally say to people like our sexual energy creates life. If you look at the purely biological function of it, it creates life. And you know we don't just use it to create life. We use it to create other things. Like when we create in a painting or we're creating um, a beautiful meal or we're creating a business plan. We are creating something out of nothing. We're using our creative energy and that's our sexual energy. And it is so powerful because it literally creates. And when there's all these people in a room together and that sexual energy is flowing, it is, it is tangible. It's palpable. You can feel it like, and it's beautiful. It's amazing. Um, and it really does. I believe it creates an altered state of consciousness. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's almost like a trance state I found as well. Like, especially like if it's like a erotic, self-pleasuring for sure it's like yeah it's a it's a trance state for sure um have I'm you been to of, a party or oh, a large group thing uh, i've been to i haven't been to parties i've not never been to a sex party um but i have been to like self-pleasure circles i suppose um I've, i haven't hosted I, I i actually have a down the track an idea for hosting one particularly for men um but it, it involves uh I, I can say this i think i've said this on podcast before but um but it involves the use of um like ritualized uh, MDMA as well. So like therapeutic doses of MDMA as like a men's group and then introducing self-pleasure into that. I have like a an idea for that and I, I want to explore that in, in like a few years time um, as I do my own training. But the, um, yeah, but the, the group sex scene um, or, or sex parties, like it's not something that I've had any experience with. Um, it's, it's something that we've talked about, my partner and I, um, in terms of going forward. But uh, it's just, I mean, Timing and logistics, uh, especially down here in Margaret River as well, there's, there's kind of not, we're, we're kind of four hours outside of the city, and especially now that COVID's happening as well. Like it's just been a whole bit of a nightmare. So, um, but I'm, I guess I'm curious, like for people that are listening that are maybe single, right? We spoke about relationships, but for people that are that are not in a relationship um, and they're curious about like they, they want to explore, I suppose, like multiple partners and like at the same time, group experiences, like how... How should they start that? I suppose do they just they just look for the the next swingers party or the oh, I guess not swingers party but the next um, sex party and just go yep cool I'm just going to book my ticket and rock up like what's what do you suggest in terms of starting the journey? Um, 
in terms of starting that journey, definitely talking to any friends or lovers that you have about your feelings. Like you may not have, like, you know, the way that I said for couples to start by talking to their partner, you may be single, so you don't have a partner, but talk to some friends about it. Talk to some lovers about it. If you have lovers, you don't have lovers, talk to some friends about it. Um, first, you know, ask for them, ask of them the support of them being a sounding board so that you can like sometimes having that support from a loved one so that you can explore because there's not a partner for you to communicate your wants and needs and desires and boundaries. So ask a friend to support you by being that sounding board so you can verbally explore that. <clears throat> and then from there, yeah, have a look for local parties, jump on some of the apps. Um, what did I say before? I said FetLife is a good one or red hot pie swingers parties they could look into as singles but typically single uh typically swingers parties are wanting single females right i kind of kind of based on what we spoke about the the stereotype yeah Yeah, yeah. it's exactly that which i'm kind of like yeah i've already expressed how i feel about that where i'm like "Eh, i feel like it should be equal um but yeah that is definitely relates back to that stereotype and that narrative in society so those are there but otherwise look up local kink clubs local bdsm clubs um you know temple nights are really nice if you could look up any sort of local uh, tantricas or tantric practitioners and see if they have any temple nights coming up look up self-pleasure circles maybe for a solo a great person a great way to put that foot in the door is to go to a group self-pleasure experience um, and be like, oh, how do I feel being in my sexual energy and having it running in a room full of other people? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great idea. And I, I think it's important to like emphasize that if you go to a, uh, even if you go to a temple night, but even if you go to a sex party, like you don't have to engage in any sex. You can go to watch. Is that kind of fair to say? And just to kind of observe and be in the space and maybe not have to actually do anything physically. Is that is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Once again, it's that self-responsibility thing. You Just because you go to a sex party does not mean you have to touch anybody. My very first sex party, I went with friends, which is where I'm like, you know, talk to some friends because it, I, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. Go alone. It just might be a very, very overwhelming uh, experience, especially for a first time. Um, you know, even these days when I go to one on my own, I still get like little bubbles of nervousness because I'm still going to a sex party on my own. Um, and those little bubbles of nervousness are nice. But for the first time, yeah, like there is no outcome. There is no goal oriented outcome that you need except to go along and enjoy yourself. And my first sex party, I went and just watched all night long. Um, and in fact, I had this really beautiful experience where I was watching this couple on the bed and <clears throat> the male was tying up the female with shibari and it was beautiful. And I was sitting in this giant throne like armchair next to the bed watching them and they both kept like making eye contact with me. And even though I wasn't interacting with them physically, the energy in the room was like the three of us like flowing together. It was amazing. And then a couple of months later, I ended up randomly connecting with him one night at a different group sex thing and we had a beautiful time together um and it was amazing and i and i it had this added layer purely because i'd seen him and watched him with this other lover it was just so delicious like you do not have to touch or interact with anybody 
to enjoy the party and to enjoy that sexual energy and to have it flowing within you. It was really yummy. Actually, I just, yeah, I can feel it in my body again now, just describing it. Like I do remember just sitting there like on this throne, like I was so turned on and then watching me. And then later during that party, um, the female came up to me and she's like, oh my God, she's like, thank you so much for being there. She was like, I loved that so much. I loved looking up, looking into your eyes. Just like it was turning me on. And it was amazing that she was feeling what I was feeling sitting there watching. And that's beautiful. Amazing. So yeah, as singles, you do not have to touch anybody. As couples, you don't have to touch anybody. Mm, and thank you for so much for sharing that experience as well. Because I think it speaks to this like really unacknowledged idea about sex that it can be so like tangible and erotic and intense and it doesn't have to involve any touch whatsoever you know what i mean like there's so much more to sex than just like penetration you know what i mean like there's penis in pussy yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, not- I know you're across <laughs> that and it's something i've talked about a lot but yeah it's just Every, every, yeah, every time someone talks to me about sex, I'm always like, okay, let's expand your definition a little bit here. And, and thank you. So that was a really beautiful share. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're so welcome. It actually reminds me of, uh, I went, I don't know if you've heard of ISTA. It's yeah, I have, yeah. Temple Arts. Yeah. yeah, but I went to a level one, one, and I met this beautiful man there and we interacted like all week without ever kissing without ever touching each other's genitals because he had a partner outside and those were their boundaries. And yet we still had a beautiful, like intense connection and did like energetic penetration and it was orgasmic without any physical touch. Yeah. that Similar to my experience, I, I did level one ISTA when I was in a relationship and we had our boundaries set before I went in and I had very similar experiences with some of the women and also some of the men in that space as well. Like it was very, like there was a lot of energy energetic kind of exchanges and it was very intense. Um, and I was very young at the time as well. This is like five, six years ago now. It was at the start of our relationship. Um, and yeah, it was, um, but it was very, it was eye-opening for me. It was, it was transformative for me in terms of like, okay, sex doesn't have to just be penis and vagina. Um, so that was, yeah, lovely. Um, yeah, I just want to just, I'm just acknowledging time here and just want to say a huge thank you for just being so open and, and, and you know, in, in such integrity with regards to your sharing, like it just feels like super, like the transmission of it, I think you used that word like at the beginning is, um, yeah, is real clean. And I really, really, really appreciate that. So thank you so much for, for speaking so candidly and openly. It's just been so practical. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping people listening to this are going to go, holy shit, I, I'm, you know, I'm ready to, to jump into this and do it properly and, and explore it for the right reasons. Mm, I'm ready to talk about threesome now. I'm ready to talk about group sex. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Ken. Thank you for seeing me. Um, I really appreciate that. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Hey there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Men's Sex and Pleasure podcast. If you find value from this content, then I encourage you to consider becoming a patron on my Patreon account. You can find the link for that in the description below. You have access to a whole bunch of perks, including behind the scenes podcast footage, as well as pre-release YouTube videos and patron-only writing, as well as the opportunity to have your name either shown in a YouTube video or read out in a thank you during the podcast. So, like I said, if you enjoy this content and you'd like to support it and support me, then head to the link in the show notes below and consider becoming a patron. Thank you.